0: if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 29, verses 1 and 2 tonight. We're going to continue the message that I preached half of last week on the 12th measure of your life or how to evaluate your life from God's viewpoint. It doesn't matter what people think, it's what God knows about your life. And we went over several things like love and um, humility. sacrifice, words, thoughts, all these things that measure your life. Obedience, um, but I believe this is the bottom line. I believe this is most important. The great purpose of your life should be to glorify God and do his will. Let me repeat that. The great, great purpose of your life, I mean, no other purpose should supersede this purpose, and that's to glorify God and do his will. Uh, everything in your life can be done with the desire to bring more glory to God. And if you don't have that desire, uh, you're not as God conscious and Christ conscious as you ought to be. And God can't bless your life like he will if you'll just live all for his glory. Everything can add or distract from the glory of God. Let's in all the word of God, two verses. It says, given to the Lord, O ye mighty, Psalms 29, verse one and two. Give the Lord, O ye mighty, give the Lord glory and strength given the Lord the glory, do unto his name worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That phrase, beauty of holiness, is mentioned three times in the word of God, and you cannot worship God unless you are holy. You need to be right with God uh, to glorify him. So you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you again for this uh, number that's here tonight. Thank you, God, for our visitor being back with us, John. I pray, God, you'd bless uh, tonight's message in a special way to our hearts. Again, we pray that you'd be with the Clore family, and I pray, dear God, for our law enforcement uh, down in the Carbondale area, uh, that you'd just give them wisdom. And Lord, we just thank you that we can be in the house of God tonight, not let anything keep us from the house of God. Or we thank you for those that are listening by way of internet. I pray, God, you just give them comfort and peace that you're with them and that you're going to protect them. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for the chance of a lifetime, the ultimate uh, chance of a lifetime, and that's to glorify you with all our life. We'll praise you and thank you for what you're doing and through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Last week we went to John chapter 12, verse 23 through 28, about the Lord uh, saying that he wanted to glorify God uh, through going to Calvary. He didn't know what to say but he knew that he wanted to glorify God, and God immediately responded and said, I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it again. And we went over uh, at length uh, how the Holy Spirit's office is to glorify God. The Holy Spirit's uh, main goal is to lift up Jesus, not himself, but Jesus, and uh, there ought to be no ruling passion in your life more than the glory of God. And if there's anything besides the glory of God as a passion for your life, then self is on the throne. Uh, God also justifies uh, us for his glory. He saves us for his glory. And there's nothing more glorious than the cross of Calvary. And you know, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and I want to dwell with this just a little bit tonight before we finish this message, is that uh, sin... And the only way you can get saved is realize that you've fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so by nature, sinners do not glorify God. They glorify the world, the self, uh, even the devil sometimes. And the natural tendency of an ungenerated mankind is to go from bad to worse, deceiving and being saved. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 13, 2 Timothy 3, 13. Uh, this, this talks about the last days. And boy, we're we in the last days. All this happening in little old Whitfield County and uh, all around the world. Uh, we just need to pray. And we need to pray for uh, we have some great men of God in the last year that's went on to be the Lord. Brother Sammy Allen, Brother Dan Reed, uh, Brother um, now Brother, Brother Billy Goosby, a great preacher, 80 years old. Preach, you can always preach with passion. But, uh, you know, somebody's got to step up and take the place for the glory of God. But uh, here it is, 2 Timothy three thirteen says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse. Can you say amen there? It's getting worse. And worse, deceiving and being deceived. But then the verse 14 uh, is encouraging, but continue, uh, thou and the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And of course, Timothy learned it from his grandmother and his mother. I don't know where his daddy was, but uh, it's never mentioned. But I want you to know, friend, that um, God has blessed you and saved you and sustained you for one reason not for your comfort, not for your happiness, but for his glory. Uh, Romans chapter 1, turn there real quick. I want to give you the negative side of not glorifying God. It's wicked not to glorify God. It's the definition of sin, falling short of the glory of God. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21, before we get to our outline. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, and became vain in their own imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened professing themselves to be wiser, and they became fools. It's very foolish to to live your life for your glory. It's very foolish to live your life for yourself. We glorify God not by adding to his perfection. You can't do that, but glorifying his perf- perfection. That's why our text says, give him glory that's due to his name. Thank God. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. Uh, everybody likes this verse, especially Baptists. It says, "Whether therefore you uh, it says whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God." You know what that's saying? If you can't do it to the glory of God, don't do it. Amen. There's the guideline for all actions. That's the guideline for all activity. If you don't glorify God, you shouldn't do it. Amen. If a movie doesn't glorify God, you shouldn't watch it. Amen. Uh, a lifestyle uh, is so blatantly against God uh, that, uh, that glorifies self, saying, I'll do what I want to do. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's look at a few other verses about this glory of God. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Get a little deep here for a second. Um y'all can take it, y'all the Wednesday night crowd. First Chron- Chronicles 16, and look at verse 24. four. First Chronicles 16, verse 24. The Bible says this. It says, declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. What a missionary call. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He also is the... He, he also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of this of people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence, strength and gladness are in his place. And look at verse 28 Given to the Lord, ye kindreds of people, given to the people glory and strength, given to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There's a second time it's mentioned. In the beauty of holiness. And so, folks, listen, the glory of God's a wonderful picture of all the attributes of God combined. When we think about the glory of God, we think about that cloud scene that's on the wall. Or we think about the glorious sunset or sunrise. The Bible says his handiwork glorifieth God. Matter of fact, the only thing created by God that doesn't glorify God is sinners. When they're so selfish that they try to um, live for their own little glory. Uh, Let me give you just a a journey of the glory of God through the Old Testament real quick. And I won't read the scriptures, you jot them down. Uh, All this is introduction, but um, um, you know, the Lord placed Moses in a cleft of the rock and covered him up. With his hand, lest he see the full glory of God face to face. Exodus 33, verse 20, through Exodus 34, verse 7. And uh, he passed by, and God presented himself before Moses. He also gave a, 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 a statement of divine attributes, declaring the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keepeth loving kindness for thousands. Who forgive iniquity, transgressions, and sin? What a what a statement for the glory of God! But you know they persistently rebelled after they got the Ten Commandments against Moses and God, and uh, He appointed them a leader. And uh, but yet God continued to manifest His glory to His chosen people, and they built a tabernacle. Exodus chapter forty, verse thirty-four, and it was removed about in the wilderness after they built that tabernacle that was filled with the glory of God. And the glory of God manifested itself in a cloud by day and fire by night. That was a picture of the glory of God. That's found in Exodus 40, verse 36 through 38. Then after the temple was built by Solomon, the cloud of the Shekinah glory of God came into that temple, uh, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11. Yet Israel continued to rebel against the Lord through countless Kinds of false worship and idols. Exodus, Ezekiel chapter 8 said it got so bad that the glory of God began to withdraw from the temple. And, uh, and actually, Ezekiel saw the glory of God withdraw. And uh, Exodus, uh, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 22 through 23. And the glory of God did not return to the earth until, praise God, John 1, Look at that. Here's when the glory of God returned to the earth. John 1, 14. You know where I'm going. Here it is. I just want to give you a history of the glory of God through the Bible. In verse 14, John 1, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth amen and then Matthew 17 the glory of God appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration thank God friend the Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 27 that the glory of God is in you the hope of glory think about that for a second all that glory all the glory that's due to his name and now it abides in your life but you need to have your Life set up on a hilltop that all men can see the glory of God. The de-evolution of the glory of God is is mentioned when it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in Romans chapter 1 where it says they were not thankful and they worked things that are unseemly like homosexuality and lesbian that's wicked, that's ungodly. That doesn't bring glory to God, work at that which is unseemly. And so when you have wrong doctrine, you have wrong... Uh, living. And folks, we see in Romans chapter 1, it all started when they were unthankful and they didn't give God the glory as their creator, their sustainer, and their savior. And so the legacy of man is a refusal to glorify God. That's the legacy of man, that human beings refuse. Psalms 19 verse 1 says the, the, the earth and the heavens and the handiwork glorify God. But yet, the Bible says in Romans chapter one that there was spiritual darkness and, and, and perversion and darkness and enslaved to sin and they glorified God not. They did not glorify God. And so folks, we need to realize we got a great privilege and that privilege is to glorify God. Number one, let's go back to last week. First slide, brother Cody. We need to realize that we glorify God by obeying his word and being Christ-like. And you know, I believe it's a costly obedience when we obey the Lord. Uh, that's how you bring glory to God. You obey the word. And then number two, we yield to the spirit. I want to tell you something. In yourself, you're selfish. Say amen. You want me, myself, and I to be on the throne. You want to get the glory. You want to get the praise. And we live for ourselves when we're lost or when we're in the flesh and so we yield to the Spirit of God. Number one, the Spirit of God is the temple of God. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. What know ye not that your, temple is the, is the, is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And that means, friend, if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, you shouldn't go anywhere that Jesus would feel uncomfortable. Say amen. You shouldn't say anything that wouldn't be Christ-like. And folks, our lives soon gonna be over and only what's done for God's glory will last. Then it's a tool of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we bring the glorious gospel. And so really the gospel shows the glory of God, the death, burial, and the resurrection, how glorious that is. Um, God enables us. And um, then the Spirit's office, John 16, 13, and 14, as I preached on last week, is to glorify God and to speak of Jesus, lift him up. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible says that everything's vain glory in the flesh, but by the Spirit, by the Spirit, we can glorify God. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that brings glory to God. And the Spirit of God yearns, and, and the Bible says, lustus in the King James Version uh, for the God to be glorified. But let's get something new tonight. Uh, I want you to see third of all, not only obedience, to the word of God brings glory to God and yielding to the spirit of God, the glorifier glorifies God through you. Let him live through you. Don't go to trying to do it yourself. You'll never make it. But third of all, having your prayers answered glorifies God. And by the way, that's the supreme goal of prayer. If you pray just for your need, greeds, you'll never get them. But if you pray for the need to glorify God, And that he knows that you can be a good stewardship of that answer of prayer. And that when God answers that prayer, you'll give him the glory. You'll have your prayers answered. If you pray for your own glory, your own comfort, your own uh, good, uh, you won't make it. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is a wonderful verse. And the NIV leaves out a a verse that I cannot believe they get, get away with. But it's all about money. They have to make so many changes to get a copyright. So it's all about money. That wicked version of the Bible leads out this verse. I want you to turn to it. Matthew 6, 9. And Matthew 6, 13. Would you turn with me, please? Matthew 6. We're going to study our Bible tonight. Best place to be is studying the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, you know it. It says, uh, Be ye therefore not like them, for your fathers knoweth what things you need of before you ask him. And after this manner, you should pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. What's the next phrase? Hallowed be thy name. You know what that means? Glory to God. You ought to, you, ought to, you ought to start your prayer, not with those exact words, but with that motive. God, hallowed be thy name. Lord, I'm praying this for the glory of God. I have some special prayer requests on my heart this week. Uh, somebody uh, came up to me this morning uh, and just you know dropped a big prayer request on my heart. And I said, Glory! I'll really pray about that. And uh, it could it, it, it bring great glory to the Lord if this happens. I want you to pray with me. But look at, look at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debtors, and forgive us of our debtors. And lead us not in temptation. That's why it can't be the Lord's prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. And deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom. Here's the the verse they leave out. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so he ends it with a crescendo of all motives of prayer, and that is that thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost will not amen your prayer unless it's to the glory of God. So we have to check our motives every time we pray. Because by nature we want to, we want to get a grocery list, make Jesus our grocery boy, and fill it up, Lord, because I'm hungry, or fill it up, Lord, I want a new car, or fill it up, I want this. Now, it's all right to pray for things. I mean, you know, God knows your needs and knows that you want, you need some things, but pray it for the glory of God. Let me give you another one. John fourteen thirteen, John fourteen thirteen, John chapter fourteen verse thirteen. Or I'm glad you're here. It's a stressful time to be anywhere, but it's good to be in the house of God where we can get some comfort and strength. John 14 and verse 13. The Bible says, Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, folks, you don't just tack on Jesus' name at the end of the prayer and think it's a passage to heaven. That's about it makes about as much sense as that Bible downtown that had the oil coming out. of it. That's the craziest thing I've heard in my life. Oil coming out of a Bible. I can make oil come out of a Bible. Just put it in the binder and squeeze it when somebody touches it. I can make that. I put three in one oil on it. Praise God. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, a lot of people want these gimmicks. They want these signs. They want these signals. I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says you ought to pray in Jesus' name. And a lot of people pray this way, in Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. I used to pray that way. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not a tack on or an ending to a prayer. It is the motive of prayer. For his name means for his character. For his name means for his glory. For his name means it lines up with his will. So in Jesus' name and for his sake, I pray. So it says, if you asked anything in my name, I will do it, and if you love me, keep my commandments. So see, the prerequisite of having your prayers is you've got to be right with God. He's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels, but he's not so hard-pressed to bless disobedient children. What if your children were just totally disobedient, and they come to you and say, hey, Mom, would you buy me a car? Would you buy them a car when they've just blown everything in their life that they ever touched, they're out of, in rebellion, just got out of jail or whatever, or um, maybe they're, going, they're planning on using the car to rob a bank. Would you give them the car? No, father knows best, mama knows best. We gotta be in line for the answer of prayer. And I wanna tell you what the line is. The main line is this, for his glory, for his glory. So having your prayers answered glorifies God. And then number four, thanksgiving glorifies God. Thanksgiving. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.15. 2 Corinthians 4.15. You know, we are so prone to take our blessings for granted. Can somebody say amen until you lose them? You know, you you need to thank God for every step until you can't step. Say amen, Brother Bobby. Every step's a blessing. Every heartbeat's a blessing. But we take it for granted, don't we, when we're running around here with our head chopped off? Hey, friend, listen. It's a blessing, uh, that crazy demon possessed guy that shot that policeman didn't come to your door. And he could have. He came to Brother Howard's son's door a few minutes ago. Folks, you ought to thank God for your blessings. You ought to thank God for protection. You ought to thank God for every breath. Hey, how many of y'all are tested negative? Raise your hand. Come on, let's, come on, confess it, amen? I'll I'll, I'll raise my hand. I got tested a long time ago. I'm negative. Praise God, I'm negative. You got tested negative? I'm glad you did because you worked with me all day Monday. That's good. But, you know, thank God. Uh, friend, that's a blessing. I know pastor's wife's down with COVID right now. Brother Grubbs' uh, dear wife, Kim, has COVID. and I'm glad I don't have it. That's a blessing. And I'm not saying if you get it, you're, you're out of the will of God or something. But I'm just saying you ought to thank God for every heartbeat, for every healthy day. I thank God my wife's better today and that she, she did test negative, and That's the only time she's ever been negative. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, Matthew, uh, The Bible tells us that it's all for his glory. The gospel's for his glory. But every blessing's for his glory. 2 Corinthians 4.15, real quick. I won't keep you long. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, I'll get you home before dark. Well, maybe a little past dark. But look at this, 2 Corinthians 4.15. 2 Corinthians 4.15. Aren't you glad we got a window so we can tell if it's dark or not or who's coming up? But look at this, it says this. Thank God for the security team. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. I'm gonna tell you something. There is nothing more pitiful than a sinner taking credit for his little life. And there's nothing more pitiful than a carnal Christian going around, strutting at whatever they got, thinking they're Miss Beautiful or Mr. Macho and they're not giving God credit for anything. And then when they lose their breath or they lose their heartbeat or when they lose their health, then they all of a sudden want to use God as emergency rations. Folks, you ought to thank God the Lord let you breathe your first breath and, and you, was, you had a mother that let you live. It wasn't some stinking liberal baby killing Politician. Say amen. Aren't you glad your mama believed in life? She probably looked at you and you're so ugly. She said, I'm not sure, but she she let you live. Amen. Thank God. So Thanksgiving redounds to the glory of God. Folks, we ought to be the most thankful people on this earth. We ought to be the most contented. We ought to be the most positive. Except in the test. And we ought to thank God for every day. That God, we ought to be like the flowers blooming towards God. We ought to be like the mountains soaring towards heaven. And if they can praise God, his handiwork, why can't we? I'm going to tell you something. Just being a negative, cranky, pessimistic uh, Christian is not bringing glory to God. I mean, just being uh, always looking down and always looking at the bad side and always fearing that's going to happen and that's going to happen. Where's your faith? God Almighty has created this day and this is the day that the Lord has made and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going around moping and groping and griping. God, help us not to get old and gripy. My wife prays that every day about my life. Amen, thank God. A lot of preachers get old and gripy. Don't even like their congregation. Thank God for the ministry. Thank God for the blessing that God's given you You don't deserve another meal, but God gives you another meal. You live like kings compared to the third world country that I visited. Well, just rejoice in the Lord, but bring rejoicing to your lips and praise out of your lips for his glory. And you're glorifying God through things. Then uh, fifthly, good works. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says you ought to be a city set up on a hilltop and that by your works you glorify God. By your works. So works are good. By your actions, your reactions, what you invest in, you glorify God. Stephen was being stoned and he saw the glory of God and he glorified God in his death when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He could have been a hateful, ugly Christian dying in that pit, but he glorified God. And here's old Paul watching, consenting unto his death, holding his cloak, and God, the look of heaven, and the look of thanksgiving, and the look of the glory of God on Stephen's face, he could never erase, and he got saved. Aren't you glad the apostle Paul got saved? Well, it started with Stephen. Thank God. And so, folks, he reached Paul for the redounding glory of God. And then the greatest work, of course, is the work of the cross under the good works that we should manifest, but the greatest work was the work of the cross. In John 17, the real Lord's Prayer, the high priestly prayer, he's praying in verse one through five, he's praying for himself to be glorified. He's praying for his disciples in verse six through 19. But I want to tell you something, folks, he's praying for the church in verse 20 through 26, but if you'll read that whole chapter, it's it, the focal point is the glory of God that was manifested upon the cross. Now it looked gory, it looked awful, it looked, it looked wicked and they was, wicked hands put him on the cross but I wanna tell you something, by him dying in your place, I will glory in the cross. I will glory in the cross because folks, that brought salvation to all men. And folks, one of the greatest things that ever happened on this earth was the day that Jesus took your place and died in your place And folks, saved and redeemed your soul and bought you out of hell. And folks, to the glory of God, we shouldn't get over it. We ought to get excited about it. And we ought to certainly tell everybody else about it. And so the Lord's praying the high priestly prayer. He's praying for many things, for his disciples, for himself, for the church to be one. But all through those verses in John 17, you'll see the phrase, to the glory of God to the glory of God. Look at verse 22. It says, "In the glory which thou gavest me, I give unto them, that they may be one even as we are one. Folks, all through the Bible, all through this verse, in um, verse uh, um, 25, it says, o, o righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have I known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherein thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them, all for the glory of God, all for the glory of God. Folks, we ought to pray every day, God help us measure my life for how much I glorify God. Let me give you one other thing, or a couple other things. Enduring trials glorifies God. Enduring trials glorifies God. Romans 8, 28 says we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. But the next verse says that you're predestined for ordained after you're saved to be like Jesus. And so God works all things together to make you more like Jesus and that glorifies God. But I want you to see 1 Peter chapter one in closing. 1 Peter chapter one and I want you to look at verse six. 1 Peter 1, 6. The Bible says this. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Now folks, he's writing to a persecuted church. You know, uh, it, it was even hard for some of you to come to church, especially if you lived on the south side, tonight because of that heathen shooting people. Well, I wasn't going to let no heathen keep me out of church. Now, the you that's down there in that area, I wouldn't want to come back in my house. I'll use common sense. I talked to one of our members. He says, well, I'm going to hang around here for a few minutes. I says, no, you're not going to hang around here for a few minutes. You're going to stay home. I said, you can watch it on, online. Praise God, you need to stay there and uh, guard your wife and dog, not in that order. I mean, in that order. Amen? In that order. Yes, yeah, please. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need, to, we need to realize that there's a lot of things that are going to try to keep us from worshiping God. There's a lot of things trying to distract us. But I mean, this, this church could have been invaded any minute by the authorities, locked up, ripped asunder, fed to lions, uh, crucified, beat, starved, cast out of the city. And he says, in verse 6 wherein we're in you greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice. Through now for a season. There's a perspective. If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. And they were. But look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perish, perishing, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise, listen now, and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Thank the Lord. Folks, he said, listen, I know we're persecuted, but we're not knocked down. We're not knocked out, we're knocked down, 2 Corinthians chapter four. And I know we have problems, I know we have trials, and I know the church is under great persecution and even your loved ones are being killed for the glory of God, for the gospel's sake. But rejoice, because it's only for a season, even if they kill you. That you're going to be in heaven one day, and you're going to glorify God with all that you went through. And then look at 1 Peter 4.14. 1 Peter 4.14. Look at it. 1 Peter 4.14. The Bible says this if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. You know, most people that knocks us right out of the out of the seat. Somebody makes fun of us for being a Christian. Somebody persecutes us for being a Christian. Somebody calls us something we don't like for being a Christian. It says, if you reproach, happy are you. You must be living like a Christian if you're reproached to being one. It says, for the spirit, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's what you ought to be thankful for. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But listen, but your part, he is glorified. Your part is he is glorified. Your life, he is glorified. And folks, he's never more glorified than when trials come in your life. Because the world expects you to fold. The world expects you to recant. The world at least respects you to expects you to retreat. And when you don't, you go on for God and you be faithful, God gets the glory. Because there's something about you they cannot explain. And so rejoice when things are going bad. And don't retreat, but have revival. And then God will get the redounding glory. And then last but not least, Christ's likeness sums it up. In um, Philippians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 11. Philippians 1, 11. Look at this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General electric power company. That's the way I find it. Gener- it ain't there yet. Okay, Philippians chapter one, verse 11. The Bible says this. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Folks, when you're like him, it's for one reason. In Romans chapter 13, verse 14. Last verse I'll read. Romans 13, tonight, I hope. Romans 13, verse 14. Here's what the Bible says. Let us walk honestly as in the day. not in right. Let's go back to verse 12. Oh, it's so good. It says, the night is far spent. Can y'all agree with that? What's going on in our, our very county? It says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Listen now. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Amen, that's an armor. We're in a battle. But look at this verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Look at verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus. That means don't put on, just yield to him. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Folks, I want to tell you something. In the last days, you can glorify God if it's it's high time to wake out of sleep and realize that you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and be like him for his glory. I gave you this illustration last week, and that's why we have hymns. And we, we can sing choruses, and I like those too, but we'll never stop singing hymns, Brother Randy. Because some hymn writers like John Newton have a great story. They were wretched and they were blind, but now they see. And what a powerful testimony that is. But Fanny Crosby was six weeks old when a doctor put mustard polis on her eyes. Now, if this happened to your baby, you'd sue the whole hospital. I know you would. You'd be a little upset. You might get bitter, and you might quit church. I hope you don't. But you know what she did after she was blinded? Well, she memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Is that the first five? I can't even read Leviticus without losing my place. Say amen. You been reading through the Bible? That's why Genesis is the most read book in the Bible. Everybody goes to Genesis, then they quit. But I want to tell you something, Leviticus is tough. She memorized it. She memorized Deuteronomy. Hey, friends, she not only memorized that, she memorized Psalms. I couldn't memorize Psalms 119. It's 176 verses, I believe it is. She memorized the whole book. She memorized the whole book of Proverbs. She memorized the whole book of Psalm of Solomon. And she memorized most of the New Testament. And she memorized the 8,000 poems and songs that she wrote. She was blind and she wrote a lot of poems and a lot of songs about being lifted up by the vision of seeing him who's invisible, like like, uh, blessed assurance Jesus might, oh, what a foretaste of glory is mine. She got a blessing out of touching flowers and touching leaves. Now, I want to tell you this, friend, When I sing a song by Fanny J. Crosby, I would not name my child Fanny, by the way. I'd find some other name, amen? But anyway, maybe back then it was popular. But I want to tell you something. When I sing her song, I think about her testimony like Horatio Spafford. And I think about how that glorifies God that she didn't get bitter, but she got better, and she used the rest of her life to glorify God. That same doctor came back, Uh, when she was about 12 years old and apologized for putting her eyesight out. And she said, I've been looking for you. He said, oh, no, I'm going to get it now. He said, I've been looking for you. I wanted to come thank you for being the hand of God that blinded me so I would not be distracted, but I could see him who is invisible every day of my life. Folks, what a lady. And what hymns that we ought to rejoice in. Pass me not, O gentle savior, Softly and tenderly, Jesus it. What's some others that she wrote? Look it up in your book. Man, thousands of them. Probably some that we've never, never, uh, he, she, she uh, wrote one song about the glory of God. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. We sang that Sunday, I believe. And folks, I want to tell you something. I know you're going to go through trouble. I know you're gonna go through trials, but don't panic, don't pout. Just realize why you're here and glorify God by going on and living for him with a good attitude of faith, with a good disposition of joy. And praise God, let the Lord get the glory through all the gory that you're going through. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the ultimate measure of our life, the ultimate evaluation biblically is how much do we glorify God? May we glorify you by obedience. May we glorify God by yielding to the Spirit of God. May we glorify you, dear Lord, by our prayers being answered and being ushered into heaven by the Holy Spirit because the motive is that you might get much glory. God, may we glorify you through trials and tribulation. That's the hardest time. And God, may we glorify you by being just like you, not like somebody else, and definitely not like Hollywood, and not like uh, some heathen that uh, doesn't live for God and thinks he knows everything. But God, help us to be like you. And God, we know we need to stay in the book. We need to stay on our knees. We need to stay humble. We need to stay yielded, and you'll get the glory. God, with the rest of my life, I want you to be glorified. And Lord, it would be the ultimate epitaph of my life when I die is that someone would say that he lived and he preached and he pastored for the glory of God. So Lord, please, help us not to fall short of the glory of God and live in sin and live for our little old self. But God, may we live for your redounding glory. With every head bowed, every eye closed. How I many said, preacher? I've been going through some rough times. Been going through some perplexing times in my life. But I want to glorify God with my reactions and transactions and actions. And I want to I want to glorify God in my prayer life. I want, I want, I have some big, big, big requests. And I don't want to be selfish and say I want it for me or for somebody else but I want it for God's glory. You'd say, preacher, I want my prayers answered for God's glory, not to be selfish, not to be comfortable, not to have more, just for God's glory. And I wanna wanna be faithful for God's glory. I wanna be obedient. I wanna be filled overflowing with the Spirit of God for God's glory. Would you raise your hand high for prayer? Amen, 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 amen. Someone else? Amen. God knows your motive right now, even when you're raising your hand, if it's for God's glory. These little ones lifting their hands up. Oh, they've got a great opportunity. My life's about over. Their life's just beginning, Lord willing. It can be for God's glory. You get that new job for God's glory. You go to school for God's glory. Amen. You get blessed for God's glory. You go through trials and tribulation for God's glory. Always thankful. Father, use this message and we'll glorify you for it. Thank you for Fanny J. Crosby. Thank you for Horatio Spafford. Thank you, dear God, for other uh, great songs like John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. Lord, it's all a testimony that you're worth giving a life to for your glory. So Lord, be glorified. In Jesus' name.